The light bulb. A 19th century innovation that has improved over time and is used in everything from handheld torches to ships. While light bulb technology has improved, the way in which we use them hasn't really. Go to a shop, buy one, install it, use it as needed until it pops, and then repeat the process. But imagine if you never had to buy another light bulb. Imagine instead that you could just pay for the light that it emitted, and when it broke, someone sent you a new one, and again, you just paid for the time that it was switched on. This is the concept behind servitization, and in this episode of the DHL Logistics Trend Radar podcast, we'll look at how it's changing the world of business and what it means for companies and their customers. You may not be too familiar with servitization as a business concept, but there's a good chance you've already experienced it in some shape or form. It's being adopted as either a value-add or the preferred way of doing business for many companies, with clients and customers benefiting from the advantages it delivers. We're chatting to Dr. Klaus Dormann about servitization and why it's part of the latest DHL logistics trend radar. We started off by asking him for a simple definition of the concept. So basically, servitization is a shift of business models. Business models by manufacturers, and they're shifting from selling products, you know, assets, like steel typically, to service-based models. It could be subscription models, outcome-based models. So in short, it's a move from selling products to selling services. There are a couple of prime examples for servitization that have been around for a long time. Uh, when you Google or when you research servitization, the one example you always find is Rolls-Royce. For aircraft engines, they have a program called Power by the Hour, where the airline you know, pays per flight hour and not buys the aircraft engine anymore. And there's another good example of Michelin. They have a tire as a service program. Hundreds and thousands of trucks and buses are under their contract, where Michelin is responsible for keeping these tires up and running and even you know, checking air pressure and, and these kind of things. So it's not a new concept, but has COVID accelerated the adoption rate of servitization? Absolutely accurate. So it's not new. You're right. And especially in the consumer world, we've seen this for a long time. If you think of mobility as a service, you might not even own a car anymore, right? Because you buy mobility, you rent a bike and things like that. So no, it's not new. Also in the B2B world, it's not really new, but it's picking up. And yes, I would argue that COVID accelerated that development because what typically service models bring to the customer is a lot more flexibility, uh, less investment, agility, all of that that is needed to achieve what is really looked at in the new normal, which is you know resilient in terms of your economic development, your business models, and so on. As much as the pandemic has pushed the uptake and development of servitization, there is another factor that's underpinning its growth, technology. Technology is an important enabler for that servitization business model in your know, data and data analytics is really important. I think we'll come to the details there. But it's not the only case where we see that business model or social and business trends are supported and enabled by technology. So absolutely, yes. And if you think about new technologies coming up or picking up in terms of speed, like next generation wireless 5G, I mean, this even more so will support that development of the business model of servitization. 
While it's an exciting development in the way the world is doing business, servitization isn't going to completely replace more traditional ways of doing things. And as Klaus explains, it's also a practice that has the flexibility to accommodate different types of businesses and industries. Of course, you can survive without servitization. And there are different levels that you can take in terms of servitization. So not saying this is a make or die thing for, for companies, but in any case, you know, adding services to your product offerings, I mean, that will be important for finding new revenue sources and you know, profit sources as well. And when we talk about these different levels, the base level of providing warranty services, spare parts, and, and these kind of things, right? this is there anyways. I mean, this is probably a, a no-brainer. And then if you move up that ladder towards more services, right? You, you can add repair and maintenance services to that, training, help desk. So it's not an either or, right? It's an addition to your product. And then, of course, there's the high end of servitization where you provide advanced services. And this is then when you're not selling the product anymore, but really the capability of the product and the payment models then change from you know, the product being an investment case, so there's a one time payment when you buy that product to a subscription case uh, or to a pay-per-use case. So it's not either or, there are many different shapes and forms, but you cannot ignore it. So given that it's a highly customer-centric thing, surely it's customers who are shaping businesses' servitization offerings rather than businesses deciding on their own what they should be offering. Yes, 100%. And when we talk B2B, we see a transformation of what is happening in the B2C world towards the B2B world. So you as a consumer, yes, you, you articulate your needs, you know, your service needs. We're talking about the experience economy. So the consumer experience is gaining importance. And, you know, we learn as a consumer, you know, we appreciate things like the Uber experience, for example, right? And, you know, we know how it could work. And, and then we, we are translating this into other areas of our consumer world. And the same is happening then within B2B. So you're making a consumer experience you're going to the office and then you expect the same experience from your suppliers in the B2B world. So, yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's a strong customer focus and, you know, the power shift towards customers 100%. And when you look at strategies of your know, big companies, big OEMs, I mean, you'll find something about customer centricity or customer experience in any strategy. So it's gaining importance. And you're right, the push is coming from the customers. The logistics industry and companies like DHL occupy an interesting space in servitization. Not only are they directly involved as service providers, but they're also part of the success of other businesses' servitization strategies. Klaus explains. I mean, not only for servitization, we see that logistics is gaining importance in what I mentioned, delivering, I mean, literally delivering the customer experience and delivering customer service. And when you think of you as a consumer, Quite often, the last touch point in your shopping journey, in your consumer journey, is a logistics person you know, handing over the parcel, uh, for example. So this is not limited to servitization. But when it comes to servitization, I'd argue that logistics is the backbone of delivering that service. Because then it's not only about shipping this one product at one point in time, and then the customer using it, and maybe delivering some spare parts or something like that. From a seller's perspective, a producer's perspective, you know, you have to keep that asset up and running 
And only then, by the way, it is generating revenue. So with this, you know, especially the aftermarket supply chain is gaining importance. You have to deliver these spare parts. You have to deliver fast, typically, again, to ensure the uptime. So it's the backbone of that business model. And it's not something when you as a company are thinking about serviceization, it's not something you add at the end of that process. It is something you have to integrate in your thinking very early because, again, it's an essential part of your service delivery. Staying with logistics, an important part of any company's servitization strategy is its ability to ensure that it can supply customers with what they need when they need it. This is where co-located and distributed service logistics comes to the fore. We asked Klaus how this impacts servitization. When time to market is really important, then it becomes more important to move the parts that you need closer to the point of use to distribute your inventory. Data analytics and forecasting, you know, can help you big time with that to know where to put what and also the amount. The opposite of that would be, you know, a very central warehouse for a region and maybe even globally. If you have enough time to move stuff, you can do that. But you need that flexibility in servitization models and in service logistics. So you distribute the location of your inventory and also the inventory levels. It might open new possibilities for businesses, but servitization also increases complexity in the way in which business is done. For Klaus, this is where another cutting-edge trend comes into play. Blockchain. So I think it's a prime case for blockchain because blockchain always plays its strength when you have a high number of parties involved and a high number of transactions that have to be made. And if you sell a product, there's only one transaction you do. If you run a 10-year servitization contract, you have a high, high number of transactions. And uh, of course, you want these transactions to be safe, the data to be protected. You want all players in that chain and to have the visibility that they need and so on and so forth. And it's all advantages of the blockchain technology. So it's a good use case, especially because of the numbers of transactions that are involved. It's a subject that has a lot of significance in today's business world but servitization potentially has a direct impact on consumers as well. Taking the Rolls-Royce example we spoke about earlier, Klaus elaborates how airline passengers could also benefit. Downtime, for example, you know, will be reduced. So the probability of your flight being delayed is decreased, right? So then that's a benefit for you as a customer. You also can argue that your safety will be increased because someone is really caring about this asset and, you know, makes it as safe as possible at any point in time. So I'm not saying, you know, that airlines didn't do this in the past by no means. You know, however, I mean, with the servitization model, you can really be sure that the one who knows this asset best, i.e. Rolls-Royce in that example, is taking care of it. So it will increase your safety. And then last but not least, again, Picking up the sustainability topic, and you as a consumer have an interest to reduce CO2 emissions as much as possible with your flight. And this is ensured because of the asset efficiency. If you run this aircraft engine as efficient as possible, you also have a CO2 reduction effect on that. So a couple of advantages that are maybe not reflected in your ticket price. Hopefully they are. <laughs> But there are many other advantages that you cannot really link this to servitization, right? But when you think about it, you recognize, hey, there are many advantages for you as the end user as well. With technology changing by the minute, and our world along with it, 
It shouldn't be a surprise that servitization is gaining traction with all types of industries around the globe. It's changing the way that companies do business with each other and with their customers with benefits for both. This has been another episode of the DHL Logistics Trend Radar Podcast. In our next episode, we explore how the virtual world is merging with the physical. The concept is called Digital Twins, and it's improving the way we design, track, and manage products and systems. The Logistics Trend Radar Podcast is presented by me, Gareth Cliff, written, recorded, and produced by Spike Ballantyne, and is a product of DHL in association with Cliff Central in Johannesburg, South Africa.